You're listening to The Murder in My Family, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Malice, and Three Men and a Mystery. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for episode 79 of The Murder of My Family. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the tragic case of Kevin Anthony Sanders, who at just 15 years old was gunned down in a Chicago suburb over a decade ago, and his unsolved murders left a void in his family's lives. We'll dive into Kevin's story after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners, so if you find that you enjoy this podcast, Please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to introduce a friend of the show and invite them to listen. With your help, the Murder of My Family can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurdermyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at MurderMyFam, or by searching for the Murder of My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support the show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder of my family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. In each episode, I'll give shout-outs to any new supporters. In this episode, I'd like to thank Mary Fildo, and thank you to all the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. One last note, please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on The Murder of My Family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you, and now on with the show. Chicago, Illinois has always been a booming industrial city. Chicago has groundbreaking architecture, one of the world's tallest skylines, historic buildings, many famous statues, and public works of art, and once had vast underground tunnels for mail, merchandise, and coal deliveries. Today, however, Chicago is widely known for its high violent crime rate, specifically the rate of homicides involving firearms and gang activity. Unfortunately, Rosa Sanders knows this all too well. Her son Kevin was murdered at just 15 years old. He wasn't out getting into trouble. He wasn't committing any crimes. He was killed while he simply was taking out the trash 
at his family's home in a Chicago suburb called Cicero. What's unknown is whether Kevin's murder was random or whether he knew his killer. Kevin Anthony Sanders was born on September 9, 1995. He was upbeat and cheerful. Friends remember him as a fun person to be around. He was a great big brother, and he was known to be very protective of his younger sister, Taylor. He had a great sense of humor and loved to pull pranks on family and friends. He was athletic and grew up playing sports like basketball, football, and baseball. But he really ended up loving basketball, and he was actually a genuine talent in the sport. His mother, Rosa, recalls being told he would be the next Michael Jordan. Most people know that Michael Jordan is probably the best basketball player of all time. But since he was a Chicago Bull, that comment meant so much more. Pretty much every little boy in Chicago since the mid-90s had wanted to be the next Michael Jordan. And a lot of people thought Kevin really would make it to be one of the greats. On Monday, November 22, 2010, at around 5 p.m., Kevin took the trash out never came back inside. He was found in the alley behind the home he shared with his mother, sister, and grandparents in Cicero, just outside of Chicago. What his family didn't know was that Kevin had been shot, and he passed away before any help could arrive. He was just feet away from his own door. Witnesses reported seeing a red van flee the scene, but its license plate wasn't recorded by anyone or captured by cameras. Two teenage boys were also possibly seen in the area around the time Kevin was murdered. Cicero officials believe that Kevin was somehow involved with gangs. He had very recently stopped participating in the Juvenile Improvement Program, which is an intervention program that aims to keep children away from gangs and violent crime. Cicero spokesman Ray Hanania explained that the Juvenile Improvement Program is for children who are associated with gang members, even if they are not in gangs in themselves. But Rosa Sanders doesn't believe her son Kevin wasn't a gang, and she doesn't think he hung out with gang members either. She believes that an after-curfew incident in which he was with an older teenager was the reason for his involvement in the program. Kevin was out at a diner, past curfew. He was still a minor, but the friend he was with wasn't. Something happened with that individual, and Kevin seemed to get wrapped up in it. Friends of Kevin's agree that he was not involved with gang members and wasn't a member of any gang. One friend did admit that Kevin had started to skip classes that he didn't like, and maybe that's one more reason a city program may have wanted to try and steer him toward the right path. The belief that Kevin may have known gang members hasn't stopped law enforcement from trying to find his killer. In 2011, police stated that solving Kevin's case was a priority for the city of Cicero, but his murder was only one of 435 in Cook County in 2010. 435 murders in one county in a single year. It's important to note that the clearance rate of homicides in Chicago was on the decline at the time, and in 2010, police in Chicago reported only a 33.9% clearance rate for murders. The only crimes less likely to be solved that year were arson, thefts that included burglary and robbery, as well as auto theft. Despite everyone saying that Kevin wasn't in a gang, Police continued to look at that avenue as possibly being responsible for his death. But there's also a possibility that Kevin was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time and was the victim of random violence. Perhaps even mistaken identity. It's possible that gang members could have been targeting somebody. It just wasn't Kevin, but he was accidentally killed. But no one can think of a motive why anyone would want to hurt Kevin intentionally. 
Kevin's murder is still unsolved, and it doesn't appear that anyone is any closer to finding out who killed him. The two boys who may be involved are unidentified, and all that is known about the red van is that it was in the area at the time. It's been almost 11 years since Kevin was murdered, and every day his mother and siblings wish he was still with them. His younger sister, Taylor, was absolutely traumatized by Kevin's death and the circumstances surrounding it. Rosa will never forget the feeling of unreturned text messages from her son or coming home to a house surrounded by law enforcement vehicles and EMTs. As we talk about in many episodes, these murders have ripple effects, and this is clearly evident for Kevin's family. Cook County Crime Stoppers has offered a $1,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in Kevin's case. If you have information about the murder of Kevin Anthony Sanders, or about the red van seen in the area, or the two unidentified teenage boys in an alley on South 55th Court on November 22, 2010, please contact the Cicero Police Department at 708-652-2130 or call Cook County Crime Stoppers anonymously at 800-535-7867. Maybe someone you know got rid of a red van around December 2010 or January 2011. You don't always have to witness the crime to have information about those responsible. You can also report information online at www. CookCountyCrimestoppers.org. Kevin's mom Rosa sat down with me to discuss her son Kevin's life and untimely death. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hey everyone, with a brand new year, a lot of us are hoping to make this year an even better one than last. But for some of us, that's easier said than done. Because often, things that were weighing on us don't magically leave us with the change of a calendar page. But the good news is, there is help. And that help is called BetterHelp. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp Online Counseling might just be the right solution for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. And you can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours. This isn't self-help. It's professional counseling. Send a message to your counselor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp can assist you with so many things, from depression, stress, and anxiety, to family conflicts, sleep issues, and more. Anything you share is confidential. And while BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, it is convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener of The Murder of My Family, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash family. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Once again, go to betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash family, and you'll save 10% on your first month of BetterHelp. I'm excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. With Every Plate, you'll get great meals that you'll enjoy and your bank account will love. Delivered right to your door, contact free. Getting dinner on the table daily used to be a challenge. Now let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. It doesn't get any more convenient. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes. 
Definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. At first, I thought how could it be possible for delicious meal ingredients to conveniently be delivered to your door and at the same time have it be more cost effective than shopping locally on your own. Well, I tried every plate and I'm here to tell you that it is. Think of it this way. One meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of coffee. Conveniently delivered to your home at a great price is one thing. But how do every plate meals taste? I can assure you they taste amazing. I tried the pork and pineapple tacos and the caramelized onion burgers, and both meals were out of this world. My family and I had great meals that were easy to prepare, and with the money we saved, we took the kids out for ice cream. I'm happy to share with you the great news that as a listener of the Murder My Family, you can try every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code FAMILY199. That's up to a $100 value, so don't wait to try every plate today. You won't regret it. Once again, try every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code FAMILY199. Hi, Rosa, and thank you for coming on the Murder My Family to discuss your son Kevin's case with us. Yes, thank you for having me. My pleasure, and uh, I, I know this is been a long journey for you and, and a tough one, I'm sure. Your son was just 15 years old when he was gunned down in uh, Cicero, Illinois. That's been over 10 years now. How hard have these past 10 years been and, and what kind of ordeal has this been for you? Yes, it's been very hard, very hard. He was my firstborn, um, my firstborn child. And um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, 10 years past, he he would have been 25 if he was still here now. And it's been hard for my family as well. My mom and dad took a very hard first grandchild. My dad raised him like he was his own, his own son instead of grandson took them everywhere with him. And it's been very hard. And my daughter, um, she's 18 now and she was eight when he was murdered, when Kevin was murdered. And yeah, it took, it's affected all of us, not just myself, but the whole family been very hard a difficult journey i can uh, only imagine that it's left a, a big void in your your lives yes a big void an empty chair at the at the table he, it was in november he was murdered right before uh, thanksgiving so definitely the thanksgiving uh christmas the holidays so it's, it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking would assume that when those holidays approach that really must be a tough time for you yeah, it's very tough. Don't want to do anything. I just, it's a, a deep depression I go into. And, um, you know, I have other children. I have to be strong for them. But him not being here, it's just that empty void. And, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, it's it's heartbreaking. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Seems like it gets harder with time. It's, it'll be 11 years in November this year. And and then not having no justice either, it's it's heartbreaking it's, i think it gets worse with time instead of getting easier it makes me miss him more and what he would be doing now and where he would be at in life it's it's heart-wrenching if, if you would can you tell us a little bit about kevin what kind of person he was some of your memories of him oh yes kevin was just a really funny uh outgoing kid he just always with his thumbs up he always had his thumbs up and was very happy very lovable great personality um, 
funny. He's funny. He would um, make everybody laugh, and he's just goofy. Loved sports. He we, he he played baseball and and football and basketball. I remember just going to his uh, the little league games and my mom and dad as well, or taking them to the stadium to play basketball, um, played football, you know, at the park with the other kids growing up. Yeah, he just was really uh, into sports and had plenty, plenty of friends, both girls and boys. Yeah, he was very lovable, very popular and funny. When he was killed, you had recently, or maybe it wasn't recently, how how long had it been that you had moved uh to Cicero. Back to yeah, right. Back to my mom and dad's house. That's the house I grew up in. Um, we moved from Lyons, Illinois, to Cicero. We were only only there eighteen months, a year and a half when he he was murdered. Yeah, a year and a half he was gunned down. So we weren't there long at all. Even though we visited over every weekend, I worked. My mom and dad always uh, watched them. They would come to my apartment, pick pick the kids up, bring them, either stay at my apartment or bring them back to Cicero. But Everybody knew him, you know, from when he was little, you know, little boy, you know, the baby. But yeah, only 18 months being back, moved back with my mom and dad that happened. And and that city of, of Cicero is um, not far from Chicago itself. Uh, and Chicago obviously has more than its fair share of, of violence and, and uh, unsolved crimes. Um, did, does some of that spill over to Cicero is, is, uh, is there a lot of crime there or is, is this something that was sort of not the normal thing? I, I think, uh, with Cicero, they, it, it is close to Chicago. Chicago is like 10 minutes away, not far at all. But with Cicero, I met other, um, moms that their kids were murdered as well in Cicero and they still have no justice. I have one that's going on nine years. Another one will be 14 years in, in March. And I, I know there's more, there's plenty more. And I think Cicero just likes to keep it quiet, like hush hush, like they're it, like murder, homicides don't exist, but let um, just alone on my mom and dad's block where Kevin was murdered on 55th Court, the house that I grew up. There's four unsolved homicides just on that block alone, within oh. a span of like uh, a couple years. There was a, a young, I think he was 18, and his girlfriend, I think maybe murdered in I want to say 2008, 2009. Then there was another kid, a 19-year-old Kevin. My son was the youngest, but. Yeah, four unsolved homicides just on fifty fifth court alone. Alone. It's too too much oh. too much violence. Yeah. Right, right. Too much violence. Uh, let, let's go back to that day, uh, in November two thousand ten, November twenty second. How did you get the news? How did you find out that something had happened? Can you sort of uh right. walk us through that day? Yes, I was at I was at work. I work with um I worked at that time with kids in, in the foster care system. I was at work and uh, it was raining out, uh, you know, raining, gloomy. It was November, dark outside already, trying to get a hold of Kevin on the cell phone and wouldn't answer, text him, nothing, no response. I know that's strange. You know, he usually picks up or texts back, you know. So I had a feeling maybe something happened. Uh, I was, you know, not feeling good about it. But um, it was not like him. And I, I get a phone call from my daughter, from my daughter, Taylor, who was uh, at home with uh, with uh, her grandma, my mom there. And uh, she's like, oh, um, mom, there's a lot of uh, police here in an ambulance. And 
I was like, oh, maybe something next door. Maybe then if we had an elderly neighbor who lived next door, so maybe she got sick. I, you know, I didn't know. And I pull up. I was like, oh. And then when I got to the front porch, trying to get out of my car, or you know, arrived there and uh, met with the. I was met with two detectives saying, uh, oh, you you Rosa Sanders, you know, Kevin's mom. But yes, you know, what happened? Oh, you probably want to sit down for this. I was like, oh, my God, just a sick feeling to my stomach. I thought maybe he got hurt, you know, maybe beat up, that someone beat him up or never to, to know, to figure, to learn that he was murdered. He was still in the, in the, murdered in the alley, in the back of my mom and dad's house, in the alley, two houses down, you know, right in, next door, two houses down in the alley, murdered, still with his, his uh, clothes on, his school uniform, his khakis and his school uniform. And, Tons of police, ambulance, and they said it was it was quick. It was sudden that he was gunned down, and just oh my god, it was I'd go in shock. I went in shock. Very uh, couldn't believe it. it just thought, never expected. Oh, he he's been he's been killed. Not terrible. Just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. No. No parent ever wants to get the news that their son or right. daughter is is. is dead we right. all, we all want to uh have our kids outlive us right uh, so you not only have your own grief to deal with in the aftermath but then you've got to break it to the rest of your family how difficult right. was that oh that was very difficult with my mom and my dad wasn't home at the time he came we had to be careful with him how close he was with kevin like i said great them like his own son took him everywhere and we had to break it to him and make sure that um yeah, that he didn't, you know, have a heart attack. He was older, you know, and just it was it was tough. It was heartbreaking, heartbreaking for everybody. Yeah, uh, to break the news to them and that something like this tragically happened to him. Terrible. Uh, so the, the police investigate. They they obviously the, they look for witnesses and things like that, and they were actually able to get some surveillance video of a red van leaving the scene of your son's shooting that they were interested in identifying. But uh, as it turns out, the license plates weren't visible. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. They said that the license plate weren't visible. We live right down the street. Um, there was a the firehouse, the fire department. And they said they just recorded the information over and over that they couldn't make it out. The surveillance wasn't clear that they couldn't get anything from that. Were there any other witnesses or people that saw or heard anything that came forward? No, they said that they, yeah, there was no witnesses. No one, there no one's talking. Yeah, no one has talked. So no witnesses as well. A man, a gentleman who lives across across the alley from my uh, mom and dad's house, um, still there, I believe. And he said that, yeah, that it was, he wasn't home, but his wife was at the time. And she heard the gunshots, but never anything yeah and i've covered a couple cases of violent crimes like this sometimes that uh may be gang related or things like of that nature where people are afraid to come forward and say anything even if they do know something because they're worried that something could happen to them do you think that maybe some people could have information and uh maybe just chose not to come forward Right. I think so. Maybe somebody d- does know something or saw something and 
um, just was afraid to come come forward because there's yeah or something retaliation. Yeah, I think they might be scared to come forward. Do you think the police gave it their full attention and and worked it, or do you think when they get so many of these kinds of violent cases, so there's a lot in that area, do you think they just sort of rush through and and move on to the next case? What what kind of treatment has your son's case gotten? early on and then over the years. Right. I'm on 10 years now and I'm on the third set of detectives. Um, but I think the initial detectives that were in on it, um, I don't know if they didn't give it their, their best. I get, I, from what I understand, there is not no um, homicide uh, division at the Cicero police department. So it's just, they just do the cases. The detectives work are just regular detectives. There's not a specialized unit uh, of homicide detectives. I don't know if that had anything to play in the part of my son's case still being unsolved. Um, but yeah, we had this, the camera at the fire department and then my son's phone, he had a cell phone as well. I mean, whoever he went outside uh, to throw out the garbage and um, I don't understand how whoever called them out said, meet me outside, you know, how they didn't get that phone call of whoever told them to come outside. You know, they, they they didn't get nothing from his cell phone either. So I don't know. It's hard to believe. I don't know what the detective did, the initial detectives, or the, what they didn't do. But it's going on 10 years, and still here I am with my son's case unsolved. Was it confirmed that someone got him to come outside, or do you think they just happened to be there and caught him by surprise when he went outside? Yeah, I... I, I don't know. I don't know. I knew um I knew one of his uh his so called friends who lived a couple of blocks down that he drove a, a red a red car, a red van or I think it was a Jeep maybe. So it I, I know that, but um you know, I'm I'm sure it's some somebody he knew. So I think he purpose somebody did call him outside. You know, meet me outside. But he was probably taken by surprise of, of uh, maybe someone else was with this, the one that uh, I'm talking about who drove the red car. So I think a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Do you know anyone that had a reason to harm your son or anyone that he might have been afraid of or had run-ins with? No, no. Kevin was a really you know, lovable kid, really good kid. Um Funny, he had a lot of friends. I mean, and if, just, if someone was bothering him or bullying him, he sure didn't tell me. You know, he sure didn't tell me. He was always smiling, happy. If he did have a problem with somebody, he sure didn't tell me anything. I think at 15 years old, I think these kids at 15, they think, you know, they're, they're just naive. Naive if someone was bullying him or after him, he sure didn't tell me nothing. Then not to, you know, worry me, worry me. Yeah, and I think a lot of times kids that age, I'm trying to remember back when I was that age, they think they can handle things on their own handle sometimes. Handle things, exactly, exactly, yes. I know the website projectcoldcase.org, uh, which is a really good site that helps uh, bring attention to cold cases, they did a piece on Kevin's case, and, and they mentioned that Kevin was taking part in something called the Juvenile Improvement Program, a program that helps uh, troubled teens, and that Kevin reportedly was dismissed from the program only a couple days before he was killed. 
Is that accurate? And and if so, do you think Kevin's case might be connected to that program? I know he had a, I had an incident with him, as far as I remember, with the uh, curfew. You know, he, he was picked up on curfew, and um, th- that was, they put him in this program to help him out on, on curfew. I think it happened twice. Now, as far as being dismissed from the program and that he was murdered, um, I think what they said, uh, the the spokesperson for Cicero, uh, I forgot his name. The name's not coming to me now. But, um, yeah, that's not true. I I don't recall that at all, being dismissed from the program at at all from that. And I can't remember his name, the gentleman's name there, the the spokesman for Cicero, though. Okay. Um, So him being kicked out of that program is is not uh, correct in, in your memory. Right, right. I don't recall that. I don't remember that at all being uh, kicked out of the program. Uh, so you've mentioned, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, you, there's a lot of violence in that area, um, a lot of crimes just right in your own little section there you were saying. Um, are you mm-hmm. worried that your son's case is going to get lost in a big pile of these cases and just forgotten about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I still hold on to hope that, you know, I, that the, the case will get solved. Uh, you know, I, I'm a religious person. I'm holding on to hope, but it, it's hard. It's very difficult. You know, I hear cases sometimes 20, 30 years and they find the, you know, the, 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 the accuser, but, um, yeah, it's tough. I do worry that it's just yeah, I'm not never going to get solved. I'm here at ten years and yeah, nothing. And we talked a little bit about before too that some people are afraid to come forward, not say anything, but maybe over time, ten years later, the, a person they were maybe afraid of is no longer in the picture, and now they are, are coming are willing to come forward. So you can always hope for that. At the same time, sometimes over a period of ten years people might start to talk or there might be rumors. Has there been any kind of rumors or or anything like that out there about who might have done this or why that that you know of? No, not that I know of. No, no. You mentioned people that you know that you've met that are going through the same situation as you, uh, other family members that have murdered loved ones. Have you done any, uh, community type of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm searching for a, a become a team sort of to try and, uh, call out this violence or put an end to this violence there. Have you been uh, connected to any of that kind of stuff? Yes, we, um, actually did a, um, like, a a rally, a march in front of the Cicero police department. That was in October. Um, it was me and some other moms with their, their kids that were murdered in Cicero. And then we even had some moms that showed up from, uh, from the city, from Chicago, um, you know, trying to, to, to end the violence and, you know, just um, to get justice in our, in our children's cases. Um, and we're also involved with um, an organization, Parents for Peace and Justice. Um, same thing, other moms that lost uh, their children uh, to, to homicide. So that gives us some um, um, comfort and peace, knowing that we, we there's other moms out there who are going through the same uh, trauma and grief, you know, that I am. But I've been involved throughout the years with uh, compassionate friends, um, other moms that lost their kids as well. 
of it's a, uh, an organization, a worldwide compassionate friends. And like I said, parents for uh, peace and justice. There was another group I attended. Um, uh, it was Grupo and Lasse that was uh, in Chicago as well. Of other moms that um, just from Chicago that lost their their loved one. Do you find do you take some kind of comfort in talking with those people and meeting with them and and uh, because they're in the same situation as you? Not many of us will understand that situation, but you you talk to these people that are going through the exact same thing. Has that been uh, helpful to you in some way? Oh yes. Yes, definitely. It's been helpful because they know the, the what I'm going through and the same um, uh, feelings that I have. And yeah, I do find comfort and some sort of a, a peace talking to other moms that has experienced the, you know, the loss of our child. Yeah. If, if the person that killed your son could hear your voice, what message would you want to send them? What would you say to them? Um, uh, whoever you are, if you're out there, um, your, your time is coming. Your time is coming. I think you got away with it. That's been 10 years, but you, you eventually will catch up with you. God saw everything. I believe in karma and God, Jesus saw everything and he'll catch up with you sooner or later. God forbid that if, uh, he's a father now, you know, um, that's this happens to his child yeah because it a lot of times um it can be a vicious cycle of of yeah repeat violence passed down from, right. from generation to generation and exactly uh, there's just too much of that and, and hopefully that can somehow be curbed and uh see those numbers reduced of, of that stuff going on um, like your son would be 25. You mentioned that earlier. And maybe, 25, yeah. Yeah, maybe he'd have a family of his own right now. Of his own, exactly, what, yes. What do you, looking back now and, and realizing that he could be a father and who knows uh, what else he might be, but looking back, what what do you want him to be remembered for? Wow, yeah. He's, he's just, just uh, funny, funny and smart funny and smart kid um so much potential um yeah he, uh, he uh, he's straight A's I remember in school he was always one of the first to always finish his work you know and um yeah very very intelligent funny just a lovable kid and do you have a Facebook set up for him or, or dedicated to his case that you'd like to share with people I have, um, there is a Facebook page um, in love and memory of Kevin Sanders. And then I have another one of justice, justice for Kevin Sanders on Facebook. So people can go there and learn more about him and see pictures and, and that kind of stuff. Yes. yes, definitely. Yes. Do they ever, do people ever give you any kind of, try to give you any kind of tips or information or theories or anything there? It's mostly um, like uh, people will like the page and then um, sometimes um, I'll hear from his friends, like from uh, middle school, um, just like memories of what they remember, you know, that they miss him and what they remember of him from school. But as far as the tips of what happened or information, no, I even reached out to ask some of, of his friends that I'm friends with on Facebook if they know anything, if they heard anything. No, I always get no, no. If they did, they would tell me that nothing, nothing. 
Uh, and is there a, a phone number for police? Who should people contact if they think they have information to help the investigation? Yes, the phone number of the Cicero Police Department is uh, 708-652-2130. And that's Detective Mario Alegria. He's the current detective on the case now, uh, Detective Mario Alegria. And is there a reward being offered in the case? There, I, I think from Crime Stoppers, but back from the beginning, um, it's a thousand dollars reward. Um, with Crime Stoppers and Saint Sabina, there was a five thousand dollar reward that was set back in the beginning, you know, ten years ago. Well, hopefully people are motivated by more than a reward, you know, to help a family right. like yours out. Hopefully they'll just do it because it's the right thing to do if they have exactly, information. Yeah. But if if anyone out there is listening and they have, uh, you know, do have information, please come forward with it and, and share it. And, and maybe you can uh, bring Kevin's family some, some kind of peace. I Again, I know this has been a long 10 difficult years for you. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing Kevin's story with us. And I hope you get the answers that you've been waiting for. Yes. Thank you, Mike. I hope this works. I hope this works. It's, um, yeah, it's been a long journey and I don't want want no other parent to go through this, but it happens and it happens daily. It's, this violence is bad. It's out of control. It's terrible. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of the murder of my family. I'd like to thank Sonny Landon for writing and research assistance in this episode. As we wrap up, I'd like to play a preview of a brand new podcast called Criminality, hosted by my friends Melissa from Moms and Murder and Rebecca from Dialogue. Be sure to give it a listen. We'll be back here soon with an all-new episode of The Murder of My Family, and I hope you'll join me for it. But before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody. Hey guys, Melissa from Moms and Murder here, inviting you to check out my new show, Criminality, where I'll be taking a look at crime and reality TV with my co-host, Rebecca Sebastian. Hi friends, I'm Rebecca, host of Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Face it, we all love to hate reality TV because what's better than escaping your dumpster fire of a life than watching someone else's? Join us as we discuss everything from a teen mom with feathers in her hair to a 90-day fiancé who enjoys a box of matches, and we may just call Nancy Joe while wearing our best pair of little brown BB shoes that only cost $29. And we can't forget the true crimes of the real housewives. Guys, they all have mugshots. That's where I'll be lending my expertise. We'll break it all down for you every other Friday beginning February 12th, 2021. So go to CriminalityShow.com and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Criminality, because loving reality isn't a crime.